And uh, welcome to episode 14 of the Pro Painted podcast. Um, welcome back. Um, so this is one of our interview episodes. Um, so Ian has joined us this time. It should have been Rob, but unfortunately, uh, the, the baby kind of situation is starting to rear its ugly head. Might have an ugly head. I don't know if babies are ugly, right? Uh, so I'm joined by Ian. Ian Gilmore, how are you? I'm good, thank you, Matt. Good. Yeah, not bad at all. And our super special um, guest, which I'm, I've got no doubt there's going to be a lot of talk specifically around Cox, we have the one and only Tim Fisher. How are you? I, I'm still getting over what you said about Rob. <laughs> well, babies are, to me anyway, uh, babies are just ugly, aren't they? Unless they're Asian. If they're Asian, then, they, you know, they are cute. Asian babies are the cutest, all right? Yeah. No. When you're old, stop digging. Right. Well, <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Well, I hope Rob has an attractive baby. That sounds wrong. Um, anyway, is it Rob that's having twins, or is he just having the one? I don't know. I could imagine like, I I keep imagining. I don't know if you've ever watched like Red Dwarf and stuff. There's a couple of episodes um, yeah. where they have like Rimmer's head on like a baby, and I just imagine it's happening <laughs> to Rob. Like he has a child, and it just comes out with a fully grown Rob head on it. We Rob. Yeah, I just can't show this image. It's a fully mature head, and the rest of the body is just a baby, almost like Deadpool in the in, in, in the most recent movie. Um, anyway, yeah. So we've got Tim on because um, you're a really good choice, um, a good friend of ours. But also, you've had some proper wanking off recently. After uh, was it Heat Two that you uh, Three Heat Three? Sorry, the, of course. The, the desperate Heat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> did you? Did, so spoiler. Did you qualify? Yes, by the skin of my teeth, uh, 44th. So because it was the heat where lots of people had already played and qualified before, it, yeah. they kind of like hand the baton down to the, the, the next worst person. So I just managed to scrape it. Fair enough. OK, I think Ian was uh, Ian actually won a game last year and even then just still, still couldn't. Didn't you win two games actually last year? Uh, that sounds far-fetched. <laughs> yeah. So you didn't qualify. Um, so yes, yeah, no. so for those who don't aren't aware, you're probably pretty crazy. But GW uh, second year in the row is now doing the heats again. So three events spaced out throughout the year, and um, you can qualify by coming in. You know, I think it's the top half um, to then buy final top forty, top forty. So you then buy a finals yeah. ticket, which is October this year, which I'm going to. So you go into the finals. Yes, pick my ticket up. I should be there. I think it's the second weekend in October, something like that. So I'm really looking forward to that. It's going to be. I've not I didn't go to the finals last year, so it's going to be quite cool to kind of kind of see that. Um, and obviously, it's a, again, it's a weird time in the hobby. Uh, we were recording on the 20th of June. We are edging ever so slowly towards that AOS 2 release date. Um, yeah. Obviously, we've got the full rules out there, which we won't go over. What I will say, if for some bizarre reason you're listening to this and you don't listen to things like Facehammer, um, do go and check them out. Facehammer do a very good rules review um, and also kind of give you some food for thought that you know I hadn't thought about as well. So things like endless spells, being able to you know uh, potentially kill Marathi, you know, or do a lot more damage than you can actually take by the normal rules at the moment all these little interactions are quite interesting so do check out face hammer and um also if you didn't know i uh, was recently on the last episode of healing hammer and i was invited on as the winner of the uh, painting at south coast gt earlier this year so obviously you can listen to me again if you're really really desperate to get more matthew lines in your ears um it's a good chat with dan i, I listened to it yeah it's a good it's a good listen yeah yeah, yeah I, I enjoyed it 
I was quite keen. I don't know if it came across. I was quite keen to get across this idea that, you know, it's it's almost like you get like the narrative and the match play argument where people are like, this is narrative, this is match play. There's no grey area between the two. And I wanted to dispel that whole idea of this is people who go to events to paint and this is people who go to events to win and they're just two different groups of people. Because I think more than ever, that's just not the case. So I was hoping that kind of came across a bit more. No, it's, it's not necessarily an either-or situation, is it? It's, it? It can't be both. It was a good listen. I was surprised that Jack got bleeped out twice. Oh, and uh, I don't. Did you get any bleepers? I don't no, think you did, did no. you? No, <laughs> but I, I, just, I just defaulted, didn't I? I just went, okay, Stealing Hammer, they don't do spam. Family friends. Be good. Be a good boy. But of yeah. course, he gets a lizard man cunt. And, <laughs> I did. and that was just, I was in hysterics. Absolutely loved it. Um, and yeah, also, so if anybody didn't know, um, when when they interviewed, which actually was really good as well. So Jack Armstrong was a really good person to interview. He he won the he won South Coast GT, um, and he makes reference to what's called Lizard Man Cunt, which is very much eighth edition. Lizard Men were quite a trolly, almost borderline negative play army. So that's I think they can do it in AOS as well if they want to. Yeah, yep, <laughs> with all yeah, that no. teleporting and retreating skinks. Yeah, and Laurie, one of our, our club mates, I think he had um, he, he played somebody at one of the heats, and the guy had three turns in a row. So that didn't go down very well. So yeah, there was more swearing from from Jack than there was from me on on Heel and Hammer, but that was a really good interview as well. If you want to kind of see a little bit inside somebody who um, see inside Jack, that's weird. Um, you kind of want to understand a little bit more about how people kind of approach the game um, from the more competitive aspect. It, that was really really good, and um, I've actually been really catching up on the podcast recently, um, which I've really enjoyed. Uh, I really feel like we're getting to the point now where the podcasts are really going through a bit of a renaissance and things. Yeah, there. there's been a bit of a, a lot hasn't in the past few months. Yeah. I think yourselves have been regular. Uh, Elon Hammer's obviously bi-monthly. Um, Age of Sigma are having a bit of rest. I think there's there's generally a bit of holding back uh, for AOS too because people have known it's been coming for a little while, haven't they? So. And obviously, FaceTime have belted out a couple, and they've got the Jamal Zambuk one coming up. So yeah, it's, it's good they're coming back as well. And there's, there's a, uh, is it Tales of Sigma? Uh, said the other day that they're going to be coming back. So yeah, looking forward to it because uh, the more podcasts, the better. Because uh, it passes the day at work. Yeah, exactly. And that that's what I like. And to be honest, sometimes it feels like a bit of a mountain. It is peaks and troughs. Sometimes I sit there and go, oh, my God, I literally can't listen to all this. And then the other times going, I want something to listen to. And one I've really enjoyed recently is listening to the, the two peas in a podcast, um, the two guys in a pod, two, two peas in a pod. Really, really good. Just general. It's literally like listening to two mates just sit down and chat hobby. Um, really yeah, I've got those in my uh, queue at the minute, so I'm going to give those guys a go. Yeah, I mean, I think I saw you re- retweet them or something. Yeah, and what you can work, you know, from the most recent backwards, kind of get to know them a bit more. It's a bit more relevant and go from there. But they were talking about things like Games Workshop weight order, where you've gone crazy one month and ended up with a £12 pay packet for the month. <laughs> He's like, whoa, 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 something's gone wrong. And they're like, no. I used, I used to have to pick those. I was probably calling him names. I used to order like six Land Raiders at the time because they're like four pound each it's like oh they're only four quid how many should i have oh, i just have six yeah I don't it was ridiculous yeah mental yeah one day as demonettes were about 20 pence each and um back in the day when they got made no longer available and they were as hen's teeth for a while i put mine on ebay and i think they sold for like six pounds seven pounds each or something like that and i had about a hundred of them if only we knew now, right? If only we knew now. Yeah, I had about a thousand of them. But 
Um, it's nice to give you a podcast a shout out as well. I know it was something that when I was podcasting on the Black Sun, it used to be a thing. It doesn't it doesn't overly happen nowadays, so it's always good to give those give those lads a shout out. Um, so yeah, so it's super exciting time with AOS two. It's hard not to get kind of rolled up all in that hype. Um, but before we do kind of crack on to having a bit of chat with you, Tim, um, you've already mentioned this in the, the, the pre-show kind of chat, Ian, but what have you what have you been diligently plugging away at hobby-wise? Uh, I've been churning through witch elves, which are slowly killing me. They, um, I've got 15 done. I've got five on the go now, and I'm going to do 40 in total, so I'm about halfway um, but I'm looking forward to getting them finished so I can move on to something else. But um, I and the most probably the the most important hobby news I've done. I took a photo of one of my models and put it on Twitter. Did you take so, a photo with Rob's phone? No, Rob took it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So you, did you physically have to be in the same location as somebody else for them to take the photo yes. of your models? Yes, I did. Amazing. <laughs> so yeah so the um if anybody wants to see the color schemes on twitter so just rather than just a normal blurry photo it's actually something that's quite clear so it's quite happy with it sure so yeah it's fantastic as well the the, the, the color scheme uh, it's i think it's the first time i've seen green used on which else daughters of king i'm not sure if i've seen it before and it works really well especially with the flesh tone it's it's come out fantastic the face is lovely yeah. and uh yeah Thanks. to join the general uh, wanking off of it it's fantastic <laughs> <laughs> I don't, to be honest, I mean, I think it's worth mentioning. So, in talking about the face, the face you've done on that witch elf is particularly standout because it, yeah, to me, actually looks like. I'm not saying it's hyper realistic, but it looks like a painted face. So, how, how did you approach it? Why did you put so much focus on that element of the model? Um, I just enjoy painting faces. It's something I've um, just always enjoyed. So, I spent a lot of time over the years practicing it. So when it gets to um, it, kind of it's what gives the what brings the model to life in my eyes. So I just spend a lot more time just doing it, and I like doing it in doing faces in different styles. I always tend to end up glazing things, um, either with stubble in men or sort of rosy cheeks and eye makeup in women. So yeah, it's just um, just one of these things because I enjoy doing it. I enjoy spending the time. Um, because that's the what draws the eye so yeah yeah no that makes sense and while you're talking just out of interest obviously with it being a witch elf um obviously if people go for kind of painting like the ruby lips or you know going maybe almost for a kind yeah. of lipstick look and kind of got the eyeshadow and the different colors of the eyes but done wrong it's very and i've done it it's very easy to make it look like it's wearing clown makeup so have you got kind of any little tips on how to kind of get the the best look from that? If you want to go that detailed. Um, well, I did the, the eyeshadow I did with a mix of, um, I think it was Kislev Flesh and Incubate Darkness. Right. So it's, you, you, it's the flesh that does the work. So you're not putting, if you're not putting a very um, vivid colour directly on, it kind of it blends in. Um, I think that works with the, and with the, um, I did something similar with the cheeks as well, which was um, Kizla Fesh and Corn Red, I think. Oh, right. Okay. Um, so that was how to do the blend down the, so they give the, uh, the flushed cheeks and like almost like the blusher. Mm. Um, 
so yeah that's yeah I'd, I'd mix paints don't do anything so make it as subtle as possible using um, some of the base colours mixed in I think that's probably the way to go um, the lips are a bit more it just needs to be I tend to do the, the outline of the lips in first then fill in sort of the mouth and then from all the different stages it kind of works backwards and it becomes progressively thinner Okay, awesome. I think, to be honest, it's interesting hearing you saying that about, you know, taking these additional colours into the, you know, almost the base coat, the skin colour that you're using, because I actually think I would have defaulted to doing a glaze. But like you say, you can end up by introducing a completely different colour. You, it, it would be quite tricky to do, so that, that's quite interesting for me. Um, awesome. So anything else, mate? Anything else you've been plugging away at? Or is it just um, which else in your future? Yeah, just which else in my future. Yeah, just... Um... Yeah, building, painting, and um, loading which else? Yeah, yes. Building, yeah. painting, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so we'll get into Tim's hobby shortly when we do a little, a little chat with him. But um, I'll kind of cover what I've been up to. And to be honest, I've been in a bit of a bit of a hobby lull. Kind of, I've kind of hit that burnout, burnt out stage. I mean. I mean, super chuff, you know, super chuff with what's been happening with my zinch. You know, it's been great. People talking about it. That in itself is awesome. Um, but I've still got commitments for our um, From Ember to Inferno campaign, uh, which we did a campaign day um, the other day, which is fantastic. Got to play Paul's Spider Fang Grots, which have three Arachnoroks in there. You know, it just heavily converted it's just so much fun um chris unsurprisingly smashed aaron off with his multiple frost phoenixes um <laughs> so yeah it's been a bit i've kind of because i've not had to paint um i've not pushed it too far um but we've got the the dogger um invitational this weekend uh run by paul buckler um and he's comped my zinch army so i'm not allowed to bear wind um and i'm not allowed to split my horrors into combat so it does change my list a bit oh is that still aos1 yeah AOS yeah. One. We, we kind of weirdly we came up with that i was kind of pro banning the bear wind and pro stopping horror splitting into combat um but since i didn't have a zinch army at the time um <laughs> 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 and now i have it. It, it it strangely affects me more than i would have thought um but in all seriousness it, it's fine I, I, i'm i like events you know or anything you know it does something a bit different um so the original plan was to paint up the changeling um and paint up a ogroid uh thaumaturge um unfortunately i saw the new points for the changeling um for aos2 and decided yeah, he's probably not going to get painted anytime soon. Yeah, he's gone up 60 points, hasn't he? Yeah, 200 points. Um, Ooh, it's a big smacker. But it'll be interesting whether, because obviously the FAQs we have for the Changeling are for AOS, so which changes mm. how it works. So unless there's an FAQ out straight away, which they're saying they're good, that it's going to exist, it, you know, we'll, we'll kind of see. Yeah, within two weeks. Uh... But 200 points, I was like, I don't want really to paint something just for one event. So um, instead, I've just painted up the Ogroid, and it's been quite nice because I've just spent the time with him. Um, really nice model to paint. 
but is the only arm only model in my army that um is pre-owned so jen actually painted him in the past for a campaign so he's been stripped and i've realized i really don't like painting models that have you know been paint stripped and whatever you you just get those imperfections in the model and it's affecting yeah the little bits in the corners of the crevices and stuff yeah and it's just it's just frustrating you know it's something that i haven't had to deal with for a while and it and it did put me off while painting the model um but i persevered um and I mean, i'm kind of i'm happy with him but kind of disappointed at the same time because i didn't like do a fade on the chest and stuff i just paint i i sat down and went i'm just gonna paint him so i didn't kind of look at any references and a lot you know a lot of people the actual stock models got a different color chest and all this stuff but um i'm super chuffed he's done um he is now nicknamed bebop um, as he does literally <laughs> look like uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle uh, bad guy, uh, which means my shaman, my Zangle shaman, and my Ogroid are now Bebop and Rocksteady, which I think is pretty, <laughs> is pretty legit. I'm kind of tempted to do something like Turtlesque on the bases, just as a silly little reference or something. Um, but but we'll see. But that's it. But that's that's um, the only other thing I've done is I painted a Chaos Spawn um, again from a campaign army. Um, and I've used the Nightmore miniature, which you get with Soul the Faithless from Forge World. And it's a really nice model. And I've, I quite heavily used my um, Ard Coat tip for gap filling on it um, as a mm. bit of a tester. And Jesus, if you're patient with it and you do a couple of coats, you can you can fill in any gap. Like it, I'm, I'm really, really impressed. And it's smooth as anything. Um, yeah, I, um, I, I've picked up that tip on Twitter because normally I would use like green stuff or milliput or... Um, for, for smaller gaps, just straight up polystyrene cement to weld the gap. But yeah. I'd used it on because Marathi has a prominent um, mold gap, not mold, mold like natural mold gap on the down her rear where her robes go together, yeah. and it leaves like um, like a half a mil gap or something that's quite prominent. So I stuck a couple of coats of um, hard coat in there and rubbed it smooth after, and it's uh, yeah, smooth as a baby's bum. Yeah, no, I was, I was, I'm super chuffed. That was a bit of a stress test, so. And um, yeah, well, that's that's pretty much my hobby. Um, plans going forward is not an awful lot of anything. Um, I've got six flamers to paint up for the campaign. I need to do three this month, and that'll kind of see me out. And it's looking possibly with the new rules that I might be summoning a cheeky three flamers on the board every now and again. So that seems pretty good timing. Um, but yeah, we'll take a quick break there, and we'll get into the meat of the conversation, talking to Tim um, about his daughter's cane. Army planning, all the usual shizzle. Right, back in a minute. Right, so back from that cheeky little break. Um, so yeah, Tim. I mean, obviously we, we've been we've been buds, and I've known you from the tournament scene, um, going back to to eighth edition. Um, and uh, you know, unashamedly, I will say I've I've seen your armies in the past. Um, and they've always been one of those where um, I've kind of mentioned this last episode where my Zinch army is what I what I consider kind of the first thing I painted for myself. Um, and the stuff that people like you were churning out back in the day just made me really think about what can I do to draw people's attention. Um, so your Eshin army, your first version of your Eshin army, really stuck with me for a long time. And I th- I'm pretty sure you should have... I almost feel like I should put you on the painting rankings and you should have your own icon when, when and if I do icons. Concept wanker. Concept wanker. You know, that should be yours. You know, you're the, you, 
So, um, I mean, with like, those initial armies, I mean, how have you found, have you, have you found that you approach things differently in AOS? Because, again, you've been very proficient with the AOS armies as well. Do you approach it differently to, you know, what I was seeing back in 8th edition? Yeah, I would, I would say a little bit. Um, you've got a bit more freedom with the model because, obviously, in, in 6th, 7th, 8th and, and beyond, you were constrained within yeah, stuff like to rank up. So if stuff didn't rank up, then you know when you go into a tournament you've got models hanging out of units that won't fit in so you you can go more dynamic and crazy um enough stuff like outside of its boundaries its own base it was sort of like in eighth you had to think of each model the ex, you know the edges of the base as being like a, an invisible column almost yeah. that you really didn't want to stick out of too much because if you did you're not going to rank up a unit of 30 demonettes for example um if you went a bit crazy so um, you know, and, and the models are a bit more static in any case. And obviously, the the sculptors um, have got carte blanche to get a bit more crazy now with dynamic poses and such like, because you don't have to, you know, be base to base. So you can, and obviously, the models are uh, on round bases anyway. So even if you were, you've got a bit of room still. So um, with that in mind, I, I can, you know, um, have things hanging off of pillars and such like that I've done in my daughter's arcane army, because it doesn't really matter. And so you can you, you can show the models off a bit more and have them doing something, you know, a, a bit more crazy without having to worry about, well, that's that's all well and good, but I can't rank the buggers up. Yeah, it's almost like um, historically what you can do with individual models now uh, really isn't far off um, what people used to do with unit fillers. when they Yeah, in the past, popular. yeah. You'd um, make like a little diorama instead, and that would be uh, your way of having a little story within the unit or having something a bit more dynamically posed than usual, but then around the edge of it, you kind of have to put a few more statically posed things to get the other guys to fit in. Yeah, no, exactly. And it is almost nowadays like your your models themselves in an AOS army, it's almost like they're on a 360 display plinth all the time. You know, there's there's yeah. no hiding, you know, areas of those models anymore. Um, yeah, there's no base coat to the back rank. <laughs> no, defo. Even things like, you know, simple simple little things like boots and, you know, kind of bits of jewellery that maybe in the past you didn't overly see because the models have been ranked up. You can't get away with... We well, can get away with, but if you want to keep the consistency across the board with the painting, then, you know, you, you've got to spend the time. Um, yeah, I'm painting some Kinneri at the moment, and they've got these little straps that won't, like... They're basically wearing suspenders. Um, so they've got these little straps that are holding them up and then they've got a little like keychains and stuff hanging around the belt like little emo girls and stuff and and I was get painting them on the Friday night well it was like 2am Saturday morning for Heat 3 and I got the rest of the army to a point where I'm like okay I can take those guys I'll, I'll spend an hour or so and these guys getting those to you know just to a point where I can put them on the tabletop and I, I just started looking at all those little pieces and like I was squinting through my eyes because I was tired and I was like no they're only 80 points. So I just left them on the table, packed the rest of the army up and, and took a triumph instead. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. So um, what was it that brought you to... So Daughters of Cain have been your, your most recent army. Um, what, what's drawn you to them as a project? Uh, a, the models. Um, but even before that, because um, the only models I had to go on when basically the room, you know, all, all those malign portents videos that were going around... Um, the, the only models we actually knew about at the start that were definitely going to be in there were basically, the, you know, the Witch House box set they were, and, obviously, and, and then the Cauldron. There was nothing else really to go on, so it was like, we, you know, there's all rumours flying around of them, you know, flying elves and stuff, but it was mainly the animated video. You remember the first one where yeah, sure. it was it was Marathi, you know, the, the Shadow Queen telling her story, and uh, that, you know, that, that sort of like Greek vase uh, mural that was going on. 
And I was just like, oh, that's really cool. And I bought into the idea and I was thinking, okay, I could do like, you know, <clears throat> Greek style bases with like a ruined temple theme running along, which is something I'd done before in 6th edition with a Slanesh army. So I thought I could bring that back and give that, you know, give that a go, put a more modern twist on it. And I knew that a company called Femis Games did those um, resin vases a plethora of times because I picked some up from them you know, at Slew a while ago. So I put an order in for some more and, um, you know, got a load of those together. So it, it allowed me to like an interesting basin theme and then have a bit of a narrative running through the army, you know, of them being in a ruined temple and why they're, why they're there. Uh, and then it also fits in with that, that, you know, Greco-Roman narrative that that sort of video mural have, even though that's not really, doesn't really translate so much into the actual army, but when you pick it up, it's, it, 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 it was just mainly in with those first two videos, wasn't it? But it was something that I, I picked up and ran. I was like, yeah, that's me. I'll go with this. And then the second video that came on, I think it was third, actually, that came on, that actually showed the miniatures off the one that had that little bit of a rock soundtrack, didn't it? Mm-hmm. If you want elves now, you've got them sort of thing. And then you got the first glimpses of Marathi at the end. I was like, yeah, I'm sold. That's me. Yeah, it's interesting to hear you say that because I think those videos, particularly that that initial uh, teaser video, really got people pumped for a new army that was coming out. I think more. Yeah. I think more than any other release they've done. Uh, yeah, definitely. Videos. I mean, there was there was nothing really prior to that where I'm like, well, I've got to have this, you know, and you, you throw your money at the screen, take my money, sort of thing. But that one did it. I was just like, yeah. I mean, I've always been a sucker for. Uh, female miniatures having done Slanesh Army in every edition since 6th edition uh, so 6th and 8th and I'll, I will do one for AOS as soon as they get the, you know the new hotness um, so yeah it's it, it was kind of a no brainer as soon as I was like okay there's, there's no female elf army coming well there we go apart from the brolocks but I think if I ever did add, add, add brolocks to the list then I would convert them up as well to the girls that's a good shout. That's a good shout. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of it almost makes you think that all kind of hope that GW will do more like that going forward, kind of because they are, you know, they are. Well, simplistic is not quite the right word, but it, it doesn't take much visually to kind of get the get the juices flowing with with these kind of things. And I did actually think that with AOS two. Um, with the new launch of the website and everything, they might do like little intro videos for each of the factions. Because um, mm. I know that some other games, like Infinity, for example, that that's been really good for them. Uh, I mean, they've got an even more convoluted kind of backstory and variation between the factions. So I thought it might be quite cool to see that for for, for the factions in AOS too. So maybe that's something they will do in the future. Well, we've got a little bit of it with the um, Sacro Sanct and the yes. Night on Time we're going on, um, and I th- yeah, hopefully you might see a couple more things like that because those. Those like semi-animated videos they do, and then the teasers with the models and stuff. It's all, you know, it, it is it, even it, it'll either spark up, spark something off, or if you've already got that little bit of a spark, it sets off to an inferno, which is what happened to move the daughters of Cain. I basically thought, enough, I don't even care if they they've got crap rules and they're not very good in the bottom tier. Um, you know, I'm doing them. <laughs> yeah you, you were just instantly drawn to them and how, how long did you work because to, to me i know you were working on it but it suddenly just felt like you that was it you had an army done i mean how long how long did it take for you to kind of get on board with those and have the army finished was it did you well, start as soon as the release or i started before the release so when those videos went up i um jumped on those not it wasn't a start collecting box was it, it was an allies box yes. uh where you get the cauldron unit of witch elves and the um, medusa in the in the hag so i basically bought three of those straight away which was good timing because they they went out of stock not you know very shortly after because everyone else got pretty much the same idea yeah. so i got i'd got the solid core to work on 
as I started gluing together witch elves, I thought to myself, there's no way I'm gluing together loads of these girls, which is kind of, which is kind of the wrong choice for the power build because I really need to be gluing together about nine for the power build. But I, after gluing together 30 of them and making the big mistake of leaving the heads off until after they were undercoated and base coated and having to get around all those strands of hair to get to the the, the, the rear of the miniature, I basically, I basically said to myself, okay, I'm going minimum battle line, three units of ten, and I'll just take all the big call cool elite stuff for now and, and come back to them later, which is pretty much what I did. So it, it, it was kind of cheating, really, in that there's like 320 points of battle line in the army, and then the rest of it is pretty much characters and monsters. Yeah. Well, it is characters and monsters. At least the list up to Heat, heat 3 is. The list I'm working on for Blackout is, um, you know, I'm getting more more warm bodies or cold-blooded bodies in there. So, yeah, it, 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 yeah, yeah, it's just Snake Girls. Yeah, the Blood Sisters. Yeah. I'm getting, you know, 10 Blood Sisters I'm working on at the moment. So it, it kind of felt like I, I had these 30 witch elves on my desk for months and months and not, not much happening. But once I'd knocked those over, uh, that was 30 models out of the way. And the rest of the army was, you know, a cauldron, Marathi, two avatars. Yeah, and it was cool stuff. And, and they kind of fell over a lot easier. So once I'd got those 30 out of the way, which, which was a bit of a grind, the rest of it knocked together pretty quickly. How did you find the cauldron? Because it's something I've painted um, in the past, and I, I did find it quite a big endeavour because it's such a three, it's a very three-dimensional model with an awful lot of detail in sh- on show that's potentially difficult to get out. How, how did you find painting something like that? It was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely horrible. The downside, the downside to Dota the Kane Army is they're absolutely lovely models, but there's no real easy models to paint. I think the avatars were probably the easiest. The the cauldron being, like you said, so three-dimensional, I think if you really want to paint it quick, I would look at how Ben Johnson painted all his, and he was basically methodical about splitting all down his sub-assemblies. Okay, I'm spraying these guys this colour, these guys that colour. Then when he glues it together, he's he's pretty much done it. Yeah. Whereas uh, I just didn't think of that. I was, you know, I got a bit of a hobby hard on, glued everything together at once, sprayed it all, and then I was sat there, I was like, ah, so uh, I, I had to, I, I cheated a little bit, and I thought to myself, wouldn't it look cool if this was red lacquered? So I did the old Tamiya Clear Red trick that I've been doing on a couple of armies now, and I think this is the last time I do it on because it's getting a bit tired, uh, which is I, I sprayed the old lot red oxide Rustolian primer, which is a really good primer, by the way. I've, uh, I used Corvax White on the Witch Elves, and... I've used loads of primers over the years and I'm very experienced in giving it a good shake and making sure it's room temperature in there. And I used that at the same time as I used uh, the Fang and the Red Oxide Primer. They all came out fine. Corvax White just bloomed up, went all powdery and all over 30 Witch Elves. So there's, that's another reason 30 Witch Elves took me a long time because I spent the next few evenings brushing them over with a toothbrush, getting the worst of it off, but then it still wasn't quite right. So I sat there with some thousand grade sandpaper and went over every surface of every single model getting it back smooth again which is an absolute nightmare so I would yeah I'd never use Corvax White ever again in fact I've got basically uh, you know what must be a 90% full can of it that's may as well go in the I'll probably use it on like scenery it doesn't really matter it might even be beneficial if it if it blooms up on scenery but um yeah. Outside of that, there was sorry, getting back to it, there was stolen red oxide primer. I got it from B and Q in the UK, okay. and, I, and it's an American band, so I can imagine you can get it from um, like Lowe's or somewhere like that in America. It's it's really good. It takes really well. It's really smooth. Very good primer. 
and the the beauty of that up is it uh, it's like this it's like a red oxide so it's like a ruddy red color. Uh, I basically go over it with a, 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 like a number, so like a, a, a reddy brown color. Then I dapple on silver, like a chainmail sort of color, any sort of mid to light silver color. Right. Dapple on silver all around the actual, not not the chassis, but the, the, the bit around the side. So what would be like the bodywork if you're thinking of it as a car? I, I kind of thought of it as like a vehicle as I'm painting it. And then washed it with, you can wash it with either a purple or a, a red wash. In my case, I used Bloodletter Glaze and then Leviathan Purple, which is the older purple wash. I don't think you get that one anymore. But anything such like will do. And then that gives you this where it's umber in the recesses and then wherever you've dappled it in sort of like a swirly pattern even there just with an old brush. Because yeah, you, you could stipple it on and things like that. This silvery pattern that's then been knocked back a bit so it's not too stark by the washers. So you've got that good gradient going on. And then two coats of Tamiya Clear Red straight out of the pot. And you just get that awesome lacquered effect, which if anyone's not sure what it looks like in the flesh, if you think of the Forge World Brass Scorpion model okay. from 40K, yeah. it's that sort of effect where you've got that awesome lacquered panel. I thought that would look really good for Daughters of Cain because you know, that's right up their alley, isn't it? Um, so that kind of took the bulk of the work off it. After that, it was basically doing the steps, which I uh, went for like a mid-turquoise sort of colour to give that contrast against the red. And then all the bits and mud for gold. So it wasn't too bad once I got over all the fiddly bits of base coating all the underneath of it and getting it the right colour, uh, you know, getting the colour placement down I wanted to. And that would have been made a lot easier if anyone out there is about to assemble a cauldron. Doing a sub-assemblies. <laughs> ben Johnson it, yeah, doing a sub-assemblies. Learn from my mistakes. Yeah, I, I, I did it in that. I did it in... I think mine was a slight sub-assembly and still regretted not doing it fully. But no, that that um, that painting technique for the lacquer is really interesting. I might actually try that out myself. I quite like the sound of that. Yeah, I stole it from Forge World. It's in Forge World. I've just got it behind me now. It's in Forge World Imperial Armour Model Masterclass Volume 2. Um, but obviously, if anyone just asked me on Twitter, I've, I've got some work in progresses that I did on an Archaeon army on the Corn Baron Guard. So I've, I can just put, put them on Twitter. To show people how it, how it looks in you know as a work in progress and as a finished piece. Yeah, that's awesome. That'd be re- that'd be really really good. Um, and obviously, so you talk about the cauldron, which is something I've got experience of. Something I haven't got any experience of is Marathi. How did you find? I mean, mostly the big version of her. I know some people have had challenges with it. How, how did you tackle her? How did you find the big girl herself? I did do parts of her. Uh, I sprayed parts of her sub assembly. Uh, I looked at and, and spoke to Ben Johnson because he was in the Daughters of Cain WhatsApp group about how he did his. And you, you kind of have to grin and bear this because it, it, it's a bit counterintuitive. So you don't don't follow the instructions per se. You just follow the instructions for each individual part. So you assemble the base and that, that's the entire pillar and staircase area. Yeah. Leave that alone. Then you can you know put your sand on that. And I sprayed that um, khaki, which is... Uh, I've got it right here in front of me, just for two seconds. It's Halford's Camouflage Spray Paint Khaki. Okay. Uh, and uh, Chalmers, who does the Tales of Sigma podcast, told us about that in the Doors of Kane WhatsApp group. And it's a, that's another really good primer. In fact, Halford's primers are really good across the range. Yeah, I, uh, I, I use the grey. Um, that's my default. Everything gets undercoated in that grey. And I use the whites and the blacks for my xenophil. Well, these two colours are lovely. There's khaki and there's another one called Mr. Brown, which is basically like a dry bark. So if you're ever doing silver enough or anything like that, it's awesome. Interestingly, I do um, just a very, very small side note. Um, any Zinch players looking at um, AOS 2 is 
get yourself it's fine cast but buy yourself a cursling because you will absolutely fucking love them in aos 2 the reason for that and i don't know if you're aware of this as well tim um so we've now got a 30 inch dispel range mm. okay now the cursling has two attempts at dispelling and each time he dispels he can attempt to cast a spell that he dispelled <laughs> right? so the reason why i mention it particularly in relation to dryads so you can do stupid stuff where people might take branch wraiths now because they can summon units of 10 dryads so you stop it and you just summon dryads off their wildwoods which is lol tactic <laughs> so <laughs> i actually need to compile a list of every spell that that's a summonable yeah there's not many now is there no but paint versions of them for my zinch army just as lols but also Endless spells. If you get a cursing, buy the endless spell box, paint it all. Because if anyone's running around going, oh, I'm just going to cast a purple sun, stop that. You can cast it right back at them. So that's you know, you know, it'd be even cooler if you dispel their purple sun and then just use their model. (laughs) Yeah, well, I I guarantee some people will love that. Other people will be just like, nah, it's my model. No, so yeah. Anyway, sorry to interrupt your 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 train of thought. No, no, that was that was a good that was a good little sojourn. Yeah. um, so yeah, I sprayed all the base area khaki, so that's out of the way. Uh, Marathi herself, I did um, in the red oxide primer, and also the wings. I just did the wings separately, so they're easy to paint. Then I got some. I, I, I got an airbrush out, and I started putting the, the you know the, the, the base colours down. And then I gave up because my airbrush was blocked and was spattering out. Oh. So I had a bit of a nightmare where I'd got a model covered in little spattery dots, and so I. That's I swore for, I, I swore a few times and then thought, okay, because I had originally planned for the Marathi to have her uh, wings uh, a deep crimson that was going to be highlighted up to sort of like a, uh, a, a duck egg blue sort of colour. Okay. Uh, a bit like the skin on all the witch houses sort of thing. So so you've got that contrast going on. And then that was, that, that's a colour that's spattered everywhere. So, oh, my God. so uh, I, 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 you know, I, I kind of rescued it. So I just, I just sat there and instead I, I decided to do it all a deep crimson. And one of my new favourite colours at the minute is um you you put me onto these guys you run um the face hammer guys which is scale 75 yeah um there's a color called blood fest blood fest crimson which is a really good when he when he paints it on it looks like it's purple but when it goes off and cures it goes to a lovely deep crimson color like a really dark maroon uh yes it's really nice and it's the good thing about it is all the scale 75s i've tried so far are nice and thin straight out of the pot as well so you don't need to do much messing about with them and then another color is discontinued like literally a couple of weeks ago, but it's Forge World airbrush paints, Galvorback Red. It's very thin, and you, every time you use it, you need to put at least two coats on. But it's because it's so thin, you can mess about with getting a, getting a good gradient going on, which is basically what I did with Marathi. I started off with the Bloodfest Crimson, a couple of coats of Galvorback Red, knock it back with even known oil. There was various wash it went on there, known oil, um, Drakenhof Nightshade, and then just keep going up and down with the washers, until I got to that like, lovely like you know crimson colour going on with the wings, so I, I rescued that disaster there. So there's there's been a few rescuing disasters going on in this yeah. army, <laughs> but yeah. So yeah, the, the, the 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 thing about that is is once you've got Marathi's body base coated and you've painted the base, this is the most important thing I, I want to talk about. I've got Ben Johnson is then you can get her onto the base, but you will scratch the model doing it. Mm. The, da- the 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 plus side to this is. It's almost impossible to paint that pillar once she's assembled, which is what it tells you to do in the instruction booklet. 
So you accept yourself, accept, you know, I'm going to scratch my model now and I'm going to have to touch it up. And you do have to literally press, you know, push and twist as if you're putting a corkscrew in the other way around. So you, you're pushing and twisting it down. Eventually she will pop into position. So make sure you've already got the glue on those two little knobs that she fits onto. And then you just have to touch up the, you just have to touch up the scratches, but it's, it's a damn sight easier than doing it the other way around. I've seen some people who have painted, the, who have left a body in two parts so they can glue it together again back around the pillars the advantage of that side is you don't have to do any touching up to any part of the uh, any part of the pillow where you scratch it. Right. But the dance downside there is obviously you're going to get a bit of a join line between two painted areas because the way the, the the tail goes together, it's like little links in between all those scales on the tail. So I didn't want to risk that. So instead, I just did the uh, the Johnson power method and just crammed it on there. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I'd, I'd seen that as well. I think a couple of people had done exactly the same thing. So I was, I was interested to kind of get your thoughts on it. Um, and the next thing that really stood out for me in your army, I mean, I didn't, I, we've not really gone through in detail everybody's models in, in their armies, but I think with the daughters, you've got such a limited range. Um, that it's interesting. And some of it is quite different. You know, a, uh, Marathi is different to a shrine uh, uh, and, you know, and they're different to the foot infantry. So, it's interesting to see how you tackle them, but the ones that re- I really liked your take on them was the avatars. Um, yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. They built. They used the Forge World um, avatars of Kane. The Forge. I did. Ones. Yeah. Um, I'd, I've, I've got four of them. <laughs> I, 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 I originally planned a four Forge World avatar list. Right. So every time I visited Warmer World over the last few months, I picked one up to kind of like spread the cost out a little bit. Uh, I've I've got. I've got three of them assembled and another one in bits, but I don't think I'm going to do the other two. So I'm just going to stick with two because I think the, the, the problem is because the behemoth, if you take four, there's no Marathi or cauldrons going in there. So I'm just, I, I, I didn't realise at the time because I just, you know, I heard you could use four avatars. I just went down and bought them before I read the rule book. But, um, I mean, that's that's always an advantage. Read the rule book when you're planning your list. But, yeah, uh, I looked at them as is and I thought they'd be cool to use, but they still look a bit Odari. And yeah, they've still got the gemstones on, and they're covered in the in the old R symbols. They don't really, they look elfy, but they don't necessarily look evil. So I got the I got the RB knife out and trimmed them with anything Eldari. And then after whittling away at two of them for an hour and having a floor full of shavings, I realised I spent sixty two pound each on a pair of like armatures. <laughs> I was going to say, I, did, I was curious actually how much those are nowadays. So yeah, that's yeah, sixty two quid. Um, so. But because um, I bought three of those um, start collecting sets, I actually had a spare cauldron because I only plan to use a blood rat shrine yeah. and a cauldron. So I had two two lots of spare avatar bits. Plus Brian Carmichael gave me some bits at the at the South Coast, so I had a ton of uh, plastic avatar bits as well. So I swapped the heads. So I gave them the plastic avatar head, which looks a bit meaner. The sword, the sword's a bit bendy in the resin because it's not particularly thick. So I've got they've both got the plastic swords and, and more spiky bits, which makes them look more canine rather than uh, Eldari. So did all that, and then my idea I had in my head, which went with the running theme throughout the arm, which is basically Marathi's got them running around looking for uh, looking through all these old ruined temples of Cain, thinking, oh, you know, we might find a shard here. A uh, shard of cane. Uh, obviously, she knows there's none left because they've all been had away with. Um, but she's tricking them, so she keeps them on the side by going around all these ruined temples, as you do. And then also, they're all in dangerous areas, so she's got lots of blood spilled and souls sacrificed. And, and the whole idea is that she carries on a you know a massive um, ruse on everyone, and she gets more powerful as a result. So these avatars are basically ruined statues 
that I painted in the army. That's why I sprayed I sprayed them the red oxide primer yeah. and then dusted them, which is basically spraying from above like a zenithal ally with the khaki, and then that allowed me to then base coat and dry brush up a load of stony colours, but you still got that red oxide primer in all the crevices, which is important because with the Forge World Eldar Avatar, it's basically like got it's basically it looks like a, a cracked lava surface doesn't it so in in the cracks i still had that red oxide primer which was handy because then i wanted that as a base coat for brushing in some tamiya clear red okay. going through so then it looked instead of looking like they were made of lava they looked like they're basically full of blood that's all cracked through and, and oozed out and stuff so that was the whole, the whole thing got on there and yeah i got two um two behemoths out of it awesome yeah i think it's a really really cool way of approaching the um approaching the avatars um, so that's like, so you painted the infantry. You've got Marathi done. You've got your cauldron. You've now got these two, and I, I really do like them because I think they're different. And where I was saying before that I think conversions are less of a thing in armies. Actually, yours was the one that disproved that because I think they were really stand out. It really drew you to that army. Um, yeah, I always like to add a, add a few conversions, and even though the models are absolutely awesome, I always like to add a few in just because it. Aside from the paint job, because obviously paint job can make an army your own and so can the basin, but also just a couple of small conversions, even there, even if people don't necessarily notice them, it, it makes it feel like it's your own as, as, as you do the conversion. You're just putting your own little flavour on there. One thing I always do is as I'm assembling a model or painting, I, I kind of tell myself, like, it's weird, like, I tell myself, like, little stories in my head, so what's this doing? Where's it come from? Why is it doing it? Because there's, there's got to be a reason, hasn't there? Yeah. Uh, so I, you know, I'm like, well, why am I using all these bits? Okay, it's ruined, you know, they've ruined statues, blah, 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 especially like Kane. So that's the way I went with it. The, 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 the regular plastic model, I think, is a bit too static because obviously it was originally intended just to be stuck literally on the you know uh, on the on the back of the cauldrons, not sh- not striding around. So that's why I, I kept that version on the back because I did try it with the Forge World version, just like I was going to topple over because it's way too big. But yeah, the other guys definitely wanted to use the Forge World one. No, and it's interesting you saying about kind of the, you know the the reasoning kind of almost the, what I would refer to as for me what I would refer to as the narrative idea behind the models. Um, when you were talking about the statues there, I think it is a very a very cool way of approaching things um, and something that I think really does kind of inspire you on that gives you that little bit of extra motivation when you. It does, yeah. Sometimes when you're having a bit of a rut, I'll, I'll sit there and just hold a model and I'll be like, okay, well, what's going on here? Uh, if, if I'm thinking of conversion, I'll just I'll just sit there with a load of bits and just randomly dry fit stuff up. Does that work? Does it make sense? Yes, no. And if it's yes, I'll carry on and, and things like that. And I did it with my flesh eaters and all sorts of ones I've converted. Of you just tell yourself little stories. Why would this be? So like with my flesh eater guys, I've got I've got a couple of blind guys and things like that. Well, why is it blind? And blah blah blah. You know, well, he guys he gouges his eyes out and things like that. See, um, you shouldn't have mentioned those flesh eaters because. <laughs> Because those are something else, and you still have not finished that army. I'm going to. They, uh, they are uh, assuming that Slanesh doesn't come out by the time I finish with the Daughters of Cain. I'm going to do the Flesh Eaters. <laughs> I promise. But if Slanesh comes out, then all bets are off. We might bring them up again in a minute. Because um, talking about conversions, obviously the, the final model that um, you're a little bit upset about now, but you did it there and then, is you had an ally in your Daughters of Cain army. <laughs> Well, I, t- well I, I still have it. It's the um, Idol of the Sea from the Deacon. The f- first time it came out on that Adepticon video, and I just saw the... I didn't even really look at the model. I just looked, I just saw the wave, and I was like, that's blood. That's blood. <laughs> and I've heard Ian talk about it as well, yeah. uh, because it just... I think 
any deacon player or even a maybe like a vampire uh, soul blight player would look at them with that and be like, well, that's just blood, isn't it? I can use that. Then I so I ordered the model. Then when I got it, I thought, okay, I've got to de ideneth him. So I scraped off all of the you know all of the fishy bits, swapped the head for an avatar head, and that is kind of a little bit bobbleheady. But when you see it from the angle on the tabletop, it doesn't. It's only if you look like from below sort of thing. It's a little bit too big, but it was so cool, I just had to run with it. I swapped this spear out for a Bloodrack spear, and I kept the hook okay. because that, that cost, yeah, so, so it's got the, the snakes running around and stuff on it. And I, I, I de-spiked the third plastic avatar for all of the, uh, the for the spikes just going on with that guy. And oh, but I kept the okay. I kept the uh, I kept the hook because it looks cool anyway. It looks like suitably evil. None of the fishy stuff went on the base. Instead, I went with all the you know the, the vase and ruined temples uh, theme going on there. Uh, and then when I painted him, it was basically a case of get lots of uh, mid red tones going on with the cloak, and then highlight just the blood drops as it's going down. Where everyone else will paint white usually on the. Regular, regular avatars of uh, Mathlan's cloak sort of thing. And then it, that was three coats of Tamiya Clear Red over the top of it, which, which brings all those reds together and gives you that lovely, deep, like, fresh blood that's just spurted out sort of look going up, going all the way across it. And it looks, it looks suitably gory. And then I took him to Heat 3, really enjoyed using him. It's a bit of a beat stick model. Um, you can basically fire it off like a, like a missile. It'll, it'll go in wreck face and, and then, you know, and then it'll blow up. But I thought, oh, that's great. I'll take him to blackout, and then <laughs> and then I've seen I've seen a few grainy images of the uh, Iden F Deacon put Jamal uh, Zambo 2018, and he's gone up by 20 points, which means I can't field him as an ally anymore. <laughs> Can you feel? Is the other one still the other version of him? Is that still? No, no, no. He's come. Apparently, he's come down 20 points, so they're now both 420 points. Uh, but I've rescued. Well, I think I've rescued it. I've just ordered it. Celestine Prime, and he came in the post today, and I've had a bit of a play around with the sprues, and what I'm going to do is use those swirly comet sprues, yeah. the swirly comet parts, see if I can get those interacting with the cloak and the base somehow, So because it's the same size base, sure. so paint them as more gore, so you've got like these these, these comets or rocks, that, that's, yeah, they're just leaving, they're just leaving a trail of gore behind it, and then I think I'll possibly use the scepter from the Celestine as well, and swap that for the the um, the crawl hook. So and then I use my Celestine Prime. That's a good idea. You could all, you could almost go go full balls out and get those wings off and paint them gore. You can have a yeah, that's a good idea. I think if you get the wings on. Wings gore. I'm not I'm not sure how they'll get on with the with with the cloak because the cloak goes right over his back thing. But yeah, that's that's a good idea. Actually, I'll look at that. Like, um, more like pinions and have them right back. Mm, yeah, 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 like a, uh, yeah, that's good, like a finial sort of opinion thing, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll give that a go, man, I'll give that a go, see how it works, it's, um, and the good thing about that, though, is, uh, always looking on the bright side, is he's 60 points cheaper, so I've got another 60 points to play with, and so after, different to, to your, you know, talking about the army side yeah. as well, comes, what, what's your, what's your narrative behind, uh, behind that, though, well, the old, well, the whole idea is he, he's, he's not the Celestine Prime in, in my own army's like background on law that's going off. He's the he's Marathi's like um, envoy. Right. So whenever there's so, so so if if there's another like group of daughters of Cain who might be onto her or something like that, or, or would deny her 
that she is the Oracle, the mouthpiece of Cain. She basically, he's a shadow demon in effect that she's summoned up, but she's made him take form. And then they see this guy that's running around looking like an avatar with a cloak of blood, and they're like, oh yeah, maybe she's got a point. <laughs> and, and if they still argue, he just goes and chops her head off and rips her heart out. So, yeah, okay. do as you're told. Yeah, so do as you're told, basically. <laughs> that's what he's for. Uh, yeah, so that that was the whole idea. So he's not the Celestine Prime, he is um, the, the envoy of Marathi, or the envoy of Cain sort of thing so I, I run him as that instead and yeah now I've got another 60 points to play with I'm dropping the two avatars for the time being because it's just too much big stuff I found at E3 I just couldn't contest the objectives yeah. so I'm, I'm currently working on 10 Blood Sisters and 5 Kinarai Art Renders so along with the points I've saved I can get those guys in as well so that's not too bad at all really and how did you so was Heat 3 your first kind of Is that was that the unveiling of the army <laughs> it was the first time I'd ever, I'd ever played. I did, the, the, the problem is I worked out a, um, an army list on Skull Builder, and I went, okay, that, that'll be it. And then I thought to myself, I'll get painting, and hopefully I can get practice game the week before. And that wasn't happening. I was, I was up on, late on night painting. And then I had the Friday booked off work, and I thought to myself, okay, I'll pop down one world on Friday. There'll be loads of people turning on. I'll get a couple of practice games in. Of course, I, I was, I was, I was still painting. So, because we're going through a bit of a harsh move at the minute, so, so a few things threw up a, a few spanners and worked my painting schedule. So, in the end, I took the army. Um, I'd spoken to Martin Marvin before, and he was like, "Do you want to be on Warmer TV?" I said, "Oh yeah, fine." So, I pitched up the morning <laughs> of the event with an army I'd never used before. Uh, I, I literally wrote the army list in the car park. Dan Elan was laughing at me. Took a photo and put it on Twitter. So you got this this baldy guy writing his army list on on the back of a piece of paper, <laughs> um, and and I was like, oh, artifacts. So for the first time, I, I realised I'd take some artifacts and spells. So I'd, I just chose some ones that I'd heard of, and then yeah, put my army list in, and I was playing uh, game one on on the tellers on the TV, which was a fantastic game. Uh, I was playing against uh, Clan Scryer. And yeah, it was it was a really good game. I really enjoyed that game. Um, it was a good way to ease me into it because the good thing is that when you're playing against Clan Scry, you know that they're going to pop up about turn three and delete a couple of units. But it it kind of gives you those initial two turns just to move your army around and figure out what it does. Yeah. So I um you know and, and throw a few things up and I I, I lost the game. It, to be fair, I, I could have won, but only if everything went absolutely my way in the last stack of the game where Marath was fighting against four units. And, of course, she, she had to kill all four, but she did. She could have done it, but she didn't do it. So, so um, uh, uh, I think it was um, Mark, he won, on, um, he, won, he won the objective. And afterwards, I was talking to Ross, he came over, because he was doing the commentating. And he was like, ah, oh, oh, that was a cool game. You know, really enjoyed commentating. And I said, yeah, lots of fun. I said, it can't be very tactical. He was like, no, because it, was, it, it wasn't. It, well, not on my part, it wasn't. The other guy knew what he was doing, I didn't. And he was like, oh, yeah, no, it was really fun. He says, but he said, I saw your deployment. I thought you were, um, I thought you were settling up for the teleport on Marathi. And I said, teleport? <laughs> <laughs> and it turned out that because I'd chosen Caliban, which I only chosen for the minus one to it, yeah. that uh, you can also, your because the, um, the slaughter queen was a general, you get the command ability where you can teleport one of your guys. You can basically transport, you can transform Marathi into big Marathi. And then teleport nine inches away from your opponent, and I was like, "Oh, really? Can you?" <laughs> I remember that for the rest of my days. <laughs> yeah, but I did, and it cost me another game because I just got hard on and teleported way too soon <laughs> when I should have done. <laughs> Checking around. Just because I could, yeah. 
Well, for the um, also just to quickly say for the eagle-eared of the listeners, you'll probably notice that um, Ian has been incredibly quiet. Um, I suppose I should actually say that he has dropped off the call. Unfortunately, he's had the Liverpoolian curse again, and his Skype is playing up. So we've got a little bit of his hobby. And as much as it would have been great to get his input on your um, on your daughters, we'll just have to plug away without him. Um, also, something as well I wanted to mention is how did you find you talk about that experience of playing on Warhammer TV? How did you find that? Is that something you enjoyed? Is it a bucket list kind of thing you feel like you've ticked off yeah it was fine um i was i wasn't really nervous about it or anything i was i've seen it happen a few times at tournaments because I, I played in the the first, when they first unveiled the warmer tv games at that warlords gt and i saw you know uh, ad went on there and i've got a few mates who've been on on, on the on the game before so i you know it's i I've, it, you're just playing a game with a camera above your head, really. The only thing is, I forgot to wear a cap to hide my border heed. <laughs> <laughs> so during the game, Edie, who was a, a fellow border, who I always remember about having a bald head, he, um, he he put in the chat. He says, "Is that Tim Fisher's bald head?" I can see because I, I played it back on the Monday morning when I was at work and I was listening to it. Ah, and right. Kerry and Kerry read it out. She says, "Oh yeah, that is that is Tim's bald head. You can see. Oh, lovely." <laughs> Brilliant. But you see, yeah, yeah, it's. Um, I mean, basically, what they say to you at the start is. They ask you to be as clear as you can. Keep all your crap off the table, so no pens and, and random bits of paper. So obviously, you no know, one wants to look at a cluttered table when they're watching on the tape on the TV. They've got a dice tray. You roll the war, you, you, roll, you roll the warmer TV dice. They ask you to use their dice because they're nice and clear. Uh, and then you all try and roll everything in the tray. You, you forget a couple of times, but that's fine. Uh, you you can use your own tokens and things. They give you a tape measure just in case you've forgotten and bits and bobs. And then there's a guy sat next to it. He'll uh, ask you now and again, oh, what's he doing? What's that? And then he'll type it into the text, which goes across to uh, Kerry and Russ, who are doing the commentators, so they know what we're doing. Because they've actually stood about, well, they're sat about 20, 30 feet away from you. So, so they're, yeah, they're a little bit quieter where they are. Uh, yeah, it was, it, it was great fun, to be honest. I really enjoyed it. I was trying to be as clear as I can. Yeah. when I'm making the moves and using some hand gestures and things so people kind of got an idea of what you're doing as they're watching because I know from personal experience when I'm watching sometimes I'm like I haven't got a clue what's going on here yeah. um, so I was trying to be as, as, as clear as I can and, and, and so was Mark it's, yeah we had a really cool game it's really enjoyed it I, I definitely something I definitely do again and you also get you get you get given 10 Warhammer TV dice afterwards so I said I'll, I'll put those on eBay yeah. <laughs> so I, I, my game I think my, my game was one of the I think it was one of the first they did for an event because it was this, this was Heat Two. Uh, it might have been Heat One. No, Heat Two last year. So my yeah. game on there, we had my Bloodbound was one of the one of the first ones they did. So we didn't get a dice back then, but no, my experience was the same, and I really liked it. But I found it was like li- being a little bit like an air traffic controller to start with, like yeah. really decisive, like arm movements and stuff. Swaving your hands around, yeah. Nobody's <laughs> fucking listening, so no one cares. So, I was like pointing at stuff like really clearly. This is going to shoot this, and just over exaggerating all the movements. So that was that that was quite silly. Um, and then obviously, so with the event now, we, we have mentioned it before. I mean, the Warhammer World Army non- nominations and everything goes with that has always been a bit of a grey area. And even with conversations I've had with staff, it doesn't seem to be any different. Um, so you were you were one of the chosen few to get an army nomination as well for that heat. Yeah, yeah, I was. Yeah, I was pretty chuffed for that. Yeah, I mean it's a very it's a very striking army. You 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 definitely couldn't miss it. Did you enter anything to the Hero of Legends? So for those who haven't seen, it's something that you can freely just enter your models into each category. You just go up and put them in. Did you enter anything yourself? No, two reasons. One, 
I didn't even know what it was. <laughs> I'd not again. I'd not read the rules pack uh, or you know on my rules book uh, the day before. What with the house move and also the um, pain of the army beforehand. I just I just didn't even know it was a thing. Uh, and then the other one was I realised it was a thing, but because I was on the TV, your game kind of overruns a bit because the start of it, the first twenty minutes, is taken up with those guys talking to you and getting the game up and running. So normally everyone else is a little bit ahead of you. So by the time the game is finished, everyone else is going off for lunch. And I think all the entries are already in or load where in. I was just like, I'd tell you what, I'd sooner just go and get some food. <laughs> no, that's fair enough. Did you, oh, obviously you voted in that. How did you find, I'm just curious, kind of get another perspective on that Heroes of Legends. What did you think of the, the idea and looking at the different models and the categories and voting? How did you find that? Uh, yeah, there's a guy who basically hands out everyone a slip uh, and writes down your gamer number, so obviously you can't go around and, and, and vote twice or anything like that, uh, or vote for yourself, I imagine, just in case Steve runs there. Um, so you go around and, yeah, so you've got, you've got a, a, a slip, it's got the, the, the different categories on, and then you write down the number for each category that you like the look of the most. At first, I got a couple of categories mixed up because they're quite you know, quite close together or, or there's a little bit of crossover for, for, for a few of the, the categories but yeah. I'm, I mainly went with the ones that I personally liked because you don't get a great deal of time to be looking into the minutiae of things and, and, and seeing if you can see you know, brush coats and, and, and mold lines or anything like that so I, 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 I kind of like a lot of people and there was a bit of a queue and, and again uh, yeah I wanted to go off and get a drink because I'd, I'd, I'd just eat and I, I basically looked through and yeah, I kind of went for the ones that are most striking, really, uh, as much as anything. I think I voted for the A-bomb that won one of the monster categories, and there was a couple of cool units. Uh, 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 oh, no, uh, I voted for, I think, Wayne's... Yeah, Wayne's Gracier in the Hero one, because he was using the Nordium, the 1984 Gracier, the first other one. It was old in the little uh, crystal ball, uh, so it, massive nostalgia pains. Uh, started hitting there so yeah I'll vote for that one awesome you're such a such an old model wanker I can't yeah I am a I massive old model wanker I can't stand, it. I can't stand <laughs> the old models um, but yeah I think Brad Brad Glover's army is, 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 is something else you know it's... yeah the, the, the that army um I was, I think I was the third person to go and put my, uh, this was on the Sunday, to go and put my uh, army in for after, after the game and, and to stop people from basically trying to finish the game early and be the first one and, and try and get the best position, I suppose. I think there's probably some some areas of the cabinet because they've divided into nine areas uh, are considered better than others. You're all like a D10. Yeah. So I, I stuck my army in and there was already a couple there and I looked across and I saw Brad's arm. That's why I took the photo because he was right at the beginning. Uh, that I put up on Twitter, Brad's on because as soon as I looked at my right and saw, I thought well, that one's going to win. It's just so big and bold and striking and crazy and and everything. It, it ticks all those boxes. If you once all the armies are, are assembled, if you go and stand like over down near the warmer world uh, actual shop area when you're looking over, you can just see the army. It stands out miles away, and and everyone else's army is just you know just just pales in insignificance next to it really. And then it's got the conversions, it's got the basing. It's it, it's got the presence. It stands out a mile. It's got that striking uh, blue and cream colour scheme. It's got the theme of the you know rats in hats, scaven pirates sort of thing running through it. So yeah, it's um, it was. A, I, I thought that was a clear winner. Yeah, it's one of those armies. It's almost uh, I think Chris Tomlin termed it. You know, it's, it's a best army winner. It's it's one of those armies that you know it, it ticks all the boxes you want to draw people to to vote for you. Yeah, it's, it's not only got that good from three foot, it's got good from 20 foot yeah. because it, it draws you in. You, you, you can be walking past, you go, what the hell is that? Yeah. And then you wander over. And even when he's playing his games because he's got those um, 
basically they converted Caradron airships, converted into uh, Skaven airships. And even, I, th- I think I, I spoke to him uh, after game two and he said, oh, yeah, I've got this Skaven armor because he's just been on one TV and we're having a, you know, a bit of a conversation. And I said, oh, I'll pop obviously your armor later. I didn't even need to look for him. I just saw these massive, <laughs> these Skaven airships. And then I came over and I said, I guess it's your army then, Brad. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it draws you in. It's like a, uh, it's like falling down a, uh, a uh, plug really. <laughs> yeah, thoroughly nice bloke as well. And I think he's quite known, um, kind of within the the GW local scene. Yeah, he was saying his. Yeah, he's mainly a forty k. But I think he's got a dark elder army. I saw some pictures of, which is again, it's the same scheme of uh, striking and cool conversions and and craziness going on. And I think he was saying, "Oh, it's my eighth time being nominated, but I've never won." I was like, well, you're going to, you're going to win today. <laughs> so was that your, if, if you were there, uh, well, who, who did you vote for? Who, who did you vote for? I had it between Brad and Wayne. Okay. And I went old army wanker. Uh. Because I, I played Wayne on the second game and we'd been chatting because we hadn't spoke, we, we speak to each other fairly regularly on the tournament scene, but we hadn't played each other. And when was the last time we played and we figured out it was the first ever episode of Healing Hammer, which was 10 years ago. They covered our game uh, when we played at the Club Challenge in Liverpool and at the Adelphi Hotel. So it was 10 years ago. So we were, you know, we were, we were catching up on all sorts. And then one of the Warmore staff walked by and goes, are you guys finished your game? There's no, because we'd only deployed. He's like, no, no, we just deployed. So they were, um, you've only got an hour and a half left. <laughs> So we we just we got a bit of a regular. We still finished time to spare because we were mainly. I was looking at his arm. I was like, oh, nineteen eighty four. I remember these guys coming out and, and this and that and the Citadel Journal. We're both basically just being a pair of old wankers uh, going <laughs> to the army. So yeah, it, it just ticked all my massive nostalgia feels, which I which I did which I did a bit of a um, bucket challenge myself when I painted my Moonclan army. Uh, was it last year? I think it was last yeah, year or so. Sure. I'd always wanted to do a Kevin Kev Adams sculpted. Night Goblin Army from 1992, uh, 4th edition box set. And at the time when that box came out, I, I just couldn't afford all the metal models because there was loads more expensive plastic and I was just a kid. So over the uh, over the last few years, I've picked up all of the old metal ones on eBay and various trades and things like that. And then I got the Moonclan Army done. And I was really happy to do it and then I sold it. <laughs> yeah, that's you, you, are, you are one of those people who are a bit like me. You're, you're proficient with armies, but unfortunately... Uh, I'm a a mercenary yeah as soon as I've got as soon as I've got a painted army I'm just thinking about selling it because if I've if I've got painted armies in the cabinet it's very rare that I'll actually paint because I'll just go I've got a painted army I've got a paint so I I sell for two reasons one I like money Uh, my missus my missus likes expensive holidays so it it, kind of goes towards that and two I like I need the there's nothing like a deadline to get an army painted so if I know that I've got a tournament coming up and I've got a painted army then I'll just slack off but if they've got that deadline coming you know a bit of a whip you know a bit of a whip on my back to make me do it then I'll crack on and I'll get the army painted um, but the minute it's really strange because I've got my painted warhead army mm-hmm. and I've got my painted daughters of cane army and for the last since E3 I've still been painting every evening because I'm still really enthused to get these Blood Sisters painted because they're really cool models. And then, and then I'm going to get on with the Kinnerai. Even though the Kinnerai are the fiddliest models I've ever looked to paint, there are all some figures and I want to get those done. And then I want to get the Blood Rack Shrine done as well. So, yeah, it's it, it's it's weird that I've not felt like this since my Slanesh army in probably like 6th edition where I've painted an army and then added to it and, and wanted to 
So, no, that's pretty cool, actually. I'll, I'll probably sell it at some point, don't get me wrong. Um, I'm a mercenary, but for the time being, I'm really happy to carry on painting them. And at some point, once Slanesh comes out, I'll have to sell something just because of my... I think when this Slanesh stuff comes out, I'll, I'll, I'll paint it no matter what, even if I've got 10 painted on this. Yeah. I'll, I'll be ready. Yeah, I think it's... Um... I, I I think, and I found this with the Zinch, I think sometimes, you know, talking about selling armies and whatnot, there are armies that you'll pick up and they just, they do resonate with you. You know, you yeah. can really enjoy them, but not just the enjoyment, you know, it just it just ticks all those boxes. It's And sometimes it's not really very quantifiable. You just know that it, it keeps you super interested. Um, yeah, the, the, the style, the aesthetic, enjoying painting that army, or, or if you've just got a cool idea. For me, it's definitely Slanesh's. I've I've painted them in fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth. Not AOS yet, but I will do. The rumor engine went around it was a couple of weeks ago. They looked yeah. a lot like you would expect a keep of secrets claw to look like. So, and, and following the rest of the armies, it's only a matter of time and is heavily being mentioned in all the law in the background and stuff. So, yeah. I think it's coming. Yeah, exactly that. I mean, when when it's interesting you should say that because I was going to say exactly that same point that with the even just the generic kind of almost the mass-produced law that's there um mm. you know it's slanesh you know slanesh is being mentioned in everything you know, yeah he's waking up yeah it is all over the place so i'm interested definitely interested to, to see what comes of that um and actually talk about army wise i'm exactly the same as you i'm a bit of a mercenary but i've actually realized that i've i've almost at the point now i've got four completely painted um aos armies which is which is on head off. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've now got two two and a half thousand points worth of chaos of uh, zinch painted. Um, my Nurgle uh, now comes to just over two thousand. Well, actually, it's two thousand five hundred points. I've got my my Scythe's a Sigma, my yellow and black Stormcast are a Vanguard wing list and a um, a Les Martin TM build list. So that's another two thousand five hundred points. As um as the General Zambok affected the points in any way to make you think. Oh, I've got to paint some points to, just to have a legal army or anything. Or are, are you well over? Yeah, you well over. Or have you gone up? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you can tell I had I didn't heavily invest in the filth because my Zinch army, my entire army, has only got up about 160 points. So that's, <laughs> that's, that's, my, that's, um, that's not too bad. My warhead army has gone down by 160 points. Brilliant. So I've got to paint another unit of Bulgor yeah. to uh, yeah to get in there and maybe an endless spell. I think I can squeeze in because they were like. 60 points short anyway, but you can't spend 60 points on anything in the warhead arm. No, but you just leave, have 50 points short and you've got free command point. Yeah, yeah, that's cool, yeah, yeah. yeah. You get the, uh... There you go. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I've got that, and also I've almost finished my Hammers of Sigma, which is just the generic kind of gold and blue um, Stormcast. Um, I've got 2k of those almost done, but not legal, because I'm waiting for the new stuff to come out. Oh, sacrosanct. Yeah, to get that painted up for one of my battle line units, um, and then I'll have three k's worth of hammers of six. They're literally really straightforward, basic painted stuff. And then the only thing I've got left to paint, um, I'll keep adding stuff to my zinch, is my um, gadgets and my um, gadgets and goblin army, which I will finish at maybe some point. It's supposed to be raw later this year, but I just don't think I'm going. So. Yeah, yeah there's, there's so many tournaments nowadays, isn't it? It's, it's so little time, it's, it's picking them out. It, it, it's good that you can pick and choose and think, well, I'll, I'll go here and I'll go there. And, but there are some that you think, oh, well, I really should be going. And uh, it's, like, it's like FaceTime, for example. I've never been able to go to the FaceTime GT because it's always on the weekend around my kid's birthday. Right. And sometimes I'm like, well, I should have other birthdays. 
yeah. Well, I think we, we both prove we're a bit of a reformed characters somewhat with the whole mercenary selling army side of things. Yeah, well, I, I tell you what, there's, uh, uh, there's another thing that actually stops me from doing them. Painted armies don't sell for as much as they used to either. Really? So, really? so that's massive. I mean, I, I think they go for like half of what they used to. Um, so there's the other thing. I've, I've, I've sold the last two armies that I've painted, the Moon Clan and the Varangard. The Archeon Varangard list, ever chosen list. And they've, they've gone for so little that I sold them just to have some money and then buy another army. But it's the first time that I've sold an army when I've been like, well, I, I could have really kept that because it's not worth the, the very little profit you make on it to not have it, if that makes sense. Because right. I was thinking, I was looking at the General Zambuk 2018 um, points for ever chosen. Uh, that, that have leaked all over the place and I was thinking to myself well, with the points deductions that they got last year because I was running in the Jammers on but 2016 the initial one I could add another unit of Varangard so yeah. I could have all, yeah. Yeah, I could have four units of Varangard in that army and that would be awesome painted one as each guard uh, which is what I did from the army that Dan Quirk converted and I painted and I was thinking to myself well I could have been running that and for you know for as little as the army sold for I think it's about 600 quid or something like that when it costs like 350 quid to buy. It's like, I could have kept that. Yeah, I mean, you know, in old, you know, in old money, um, eighth edge, you could have been pushing, you know, eight, nine. You know, yeah, I, my, um, a bit too crass, but my, I think my Lizardman army that I painted in seventh edition, sixth edition, seventh edition, I got 1250 quid for that. So that was like 14 years ago. But, Nowadays, if I painted those same models and, and, and sold them online as a Seraphon arm, you'd probably only get like 600 quid. So I think it's mainly because the meta moves so fast. There's lots of um, pro painters who uh, paint for living on eBay and things like that. So the market's kind of flooded as well. Yeah, I, I definitely think it's more than more than anything. I think there's, I think there's, a, it feels like there's more of an attachment to armies nowadays. You know, personal attachment to to armies than there have been in say. Eight, yeah. eight. Well, but the, the good thing about that is, obviously, I'm saying moaning that I don't go as much for being a mercenary as I used to. But the good thing about that is, is it's also because more people are painting yeah, properly than they used to. It's easier for people to paint than it used to be. There's much better products and advice out there than they used to be for painting. And there's there's not really, you know, a, a reason to buy a painted army when you, you can knock one out so quickly yourself, which is which is a good thing for the hobby because I think the the painting standard in AOS is higher than it's ever been in my 18 years of playing in tournaments, which is absolutely fantastic, even if it does mean that, I, you know, I, I can't be quite a money-grabbing son as I used to be. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's interesting hearing you saying that because I, I do. I mean, Dan, Dan both kind of agreed on this on, on, South, on the South Coast episode we recorded for Healing Hammer that we definitely think the, the painting stand, without a doubt, is the highest it's ever been in anything. And I think there is an element of that mentality where people don't look at the models as, you know, just playing pieces anymore. Yeah, it's it, it, it's, it's accessibility because now you've got the uh, basically Citadel paints, base coat, technical paints, layer, air, uh, edge I liked in paints so it, it, it's even if people don't necessarily understand how painting works they can just by reading the bottle okay I'll base coat with this one and this is my base coat brush I'll highlight with this one and this is my highlighting brush and, and, and so on and also with the Duncan videos like back in the day when I was being asked by people well, you know how do you paint what do you do what's the best bit of advice you do it was always then you paint down use multiple coats don't just try and budget on it one coat and now obviously you've got Duncan two thin coats which is 
all over Warmer TV's YouTube channel, and people can just get that advice without having to speak to someone who's experienced. They can just get it from you know the comfort of their own home, and then they've got the confidence to apply that and take it forward, which is it can only be good for the other. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. No, that's awesome, mate. Well, thanks for kind of coming on and, and talking about your your AOS and your incredibly popular daughters of Kane army it seemed to go really down really well on twitter when you announced it um uh, obviously we will say that um you unfortunately didn't win the painting at um at heat three um but you but it was you know Gla- uh, brad who, who we mentioned was very yeah that massively very awesome crazy skaven armor it's a shame they don't i mean like i said i've said on this podcast one of the things i've done is you know with events i'm a proponent of doing a top three for painting um, and I think from what I saw, I think I definitely would have put you in there. So uh, they're almost. Like- I remember asking the um, the events guy about, you know, could, would you do a first, second, third for painting? You know, just to encourage more people to, you know, maybe maybe take that extra step with the army, uh, and you know, just improve the hobby and things like that. And he says no because it's it's mainly a gaming event, and we've got Golden Demon for painting, which exactly I kind of I kind of get the point, but it doesn't really work like that. In that now you take any of those armies that were nominated and you enter anything from there into Golden Demon, and they're not going to win a sausage. No, it's it, 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 paint, uh, yeah. Army painting is not the same as single model or diorama painting, or even a unit painting. It's, you know, you can take the best painted unit from any of those armies, and they're not going to get anything to Golden Demon, because it's it's different horses for different courses, isn't it? Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. And like you say, it, it is too... That's exactly what they told uh, quite a few of us when we, we gave our feedback to the event. Yeah, I would like them to maybe recognise that um, Golden Demon is the pinnacle of painting. And army painting is, is, is different gravy. Different. There's, there's no, like you said, there's no army painting category in... Yeah, that's true. Do you go into the open category and go, oh yeah, here's my 2,000 points each army? Yeah, you just you just get bummed by the staff members. They don't allow to enter the other competitions. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, that, that's that's awesome. Well, thanks for a bit of uh, bit of insight into the Heat Three as well. Um, one thing I do want to say before we go, I, I've left the kind of shout out to the sponsors till till last. Um, so Curtain Games, if you've not yet pre-ordered your copy of AOS Two, they are doing a, a pretty sweet launch bundle. Um, 135 quid will get you. Uh, the, the book, Malign Sorcery, dice, um, scenery dice, all the dice, all the dice you could possibly need, the combat gauges, you know, the objective markers, wound counters. They've got a box set with um, for 180 quid, which instead of the handbook gives you the um, gives you the core set. So do check them out. Can't can't recommend anymore. It actually tells you, which is quite nice, it actually tells you how much you save when you buy on the website, which is no, so that's good. And and always dangerous because you're like, oh, I've saved this much, I could spend some more. <laughs> So, have they got the, um, that 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 game in Centenary where where you guys game? Is it down in Exeter? Yes, that's right. That's that's the guys. That's, it always looks very cool whenever I see you guys post on Twitter and things. If it if it wasn't like a million miles away for me, yeah. it's something I'd I definitely think. Well, I'll pop down there. Yeah, it's a bit of a trek for you. I mean, they've even announced recently that um, we went up. It was quite a hot dates and like a it's like imagine like a properly decked out like pub um, loft. Um, it was proper hot. So they've just they've just gone. Oh, we'll just put air conditioning in. So they've just put air conditioning in. So. Oh, like they see what people are doing they go no this isn't good enough we're doing this straight away and they twitch stream all the games so yeah as always shout out to them and um yeah no if if you do order from them you know it helps the podcast as well they can they can see that people are kind of you know their orders are going up and we're giving a bit of extra business which is always good um and i should get me my i'm we are not this has been asked um and i'll, I'll let people know we're not 
um, associated with Games Workshop in any way, shape or form. They don't support us. So I'm just like, we're just like you normal guys. We'll get our stuff on on a pre-order day, just like anyone else. Um, that might change in the future, but at the end of the day, GWR about numbers, that's, that's what they care about. They want to know, you know, you've got 10,000 YouTube subscribers and thousands of people downloading your podcast and then they might consider you. So we're, we're not at that. We're doing our own thing. We, we've got a nice relationship with Curtin. And as long as you guys keep listening to what we're doing and you enjoy it, keeps us nice and honest. We can say whatever the fuck we want and we get no comeback for it. So that's the best thing, right? So all the dick and fart jokes you want to make. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm actually slightly disappointed there's not many dick conversations, but... Yeah. Not being well behaved. Yeah, maybe we'll do it. <laughs> you know, because the reason why I mentioned it is Mercia Miniatures, which obviously you're involved with, um, are quite well known for their accurate representation of male genitalia on the models um anatomy is important yeah exactly exactly so uh, <laughs> on, on that note on that note i think we'll call it there so thanks for coming on mate <laughs> really, really good to have a chat i appreciate it buddy anytime awesome. uh, yeah so catch up with us in a couple of weeks time we'll be doing a usual catch-up episode with the lads and we're pretty much going to be bang on aos2 release so you get to hear all our thoughts about all the new shizzle that's coming out so yeah speak in a couple of weeks bye, bye.
The next door neighbour was a pedo. <laughs> these, these were telling us an amazing story about how a few they years back yeah, yeah. Um, they heard that some guy who lived in one of his mate's streets was a pedo. Might have been. He wasn't convicted. Yeah. But they were going to go he, around he and beat to, him up. He went to court for it. But got, got off. Got off. But you were going to go beat him up, weren't you? Yeah. Where did he live, though? He's moved to Weymouth. Yeah, but at the time, he was living next door, wasn't he? Yeah. How many doors down? He was, he was in the block, all right? <laughs> Yeah, but how many doors down was it? doesn't he? matter, he was in the block. So give us the quote, the diesel quote. <laughs> he said, he was his next door neighbour, four doors down. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was epic. We just fucking all led in bed, pissing ourselves laughing. <laughs>